Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe. Uh, the only show that'll drink your blood in uninteresting ways. I am Max. And I'm JR. Uh, how's uh, it going? Uh, it's going on and on. I, uh... <laughs> my daughter... I love my daughter. She, she That's always a great start. Where to hurt me. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I've it heard... Was, I have heard this from several, uh child having especially around five six yeah. area child having uh parents i so where it's like they know how to just kick my confidence self-confidence yeah. and like it's laser targeted directly into the balls yeah 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 because i was on a high we so uh Casey and I, we put we put Moira down, and uh, behind the shed <laughs> for bed, and uh, we were watching uh, the circus, the Charlie Chaplin movie. Oh, okay. And uh, Moira kept hearing like the music, and so she came in to see what was going on, and so uh, she stayed and watched the whole thing and was laughing her ass off. Fantastic. Uh, that's the high. Right. So today, uh, before I got around to come over here, uh, Moira was playing Minecraft, and I thought it was hilarious to just spam cats. <laughs> and she's like, Daddy, stop it. So I'm like, fine. So I started my own map and just started spamming cats <laughs> everywhere. And... Uh, so Moira and Casey were back getting dressed, and uh, and I'm just like meow 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 and everything, and so uh, I come back and like I save and quit, and I come back and I'm getting around, and uh, Moira said, uh, Moira is Casey's helping Moira pick out something to wear, and. I stick my head into Moira's room and I'm just like, hear them meowing, my hungry children. And uh, <laughs> and then I went to go and get dressed. And Moira just looked at Mommy, or at Casey, and she's like, Mommy, are you happier with Daddy? <laughs> Which, fair, but also, ow. <laughs> Damn. Hey. Yeah, that, that... I mean, sometimes I wonder too, but... When it's from such a small voice. It, yeah. Out of the mouths of babes. But yeah, and so... I was unaware of this. And Casey's like, yeah, yeah. Usually. And everything. And so, I duck my... I stick my head back in, and I'm just like... There, balls. The hair balls. And then went to go take a shower. At which point Casey's like, sometimes. <laughs> so, that's a little glimpse into my home life. How are you? Uh, fine. Much, much more fine. Boring. Uh, much more boring. <clears throat> I thought I had a, a how are you, but I, it was about my, uh, I, I, I spammed, I broke, not broke, 
sprained my neck earlier in the week, and that was that sucked because I'm, we were talking before we started recording. Being thirty ish is stupid because you're not prepared for when your body does things that it just fucking quits. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, but that seems to have worked itself out. That's the other thing about being 30-ish, is like you're lulled into a false sense of security because it really fucked me up for two days, but now it's better. Yeah. So, but it was, so it was only two days. Um, yeah, I had a point at which I like, I was laying in bed and, uh, I was on my stomach. Middle of the night, I thought there was a light on, so I kind of looked up and around and then just dagger in my neck, and I'm like, "Oh, thanks, fuck you." <laughs> that'll be there for, that'll be there for a week. That'll be and great. Also, now my arms don't work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Other than that, not much. I started playing Disco Elysium, and it is fucking weird. And I kind Did of you love use it. The, uh... Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, I was wondering if you would. Yeah. Yeah, and it is fucking just weird and i don't understand it yet and i don't think i'm supposed to which is great <laughs> yeah yeah um news news we have several things this week um oh no i am not prepared a uh, couple of things number one so we have a bit more info about empire oh yeah number um, one drops this week or next week does it i forget okay. i think number zero is coming out I don't know. The short, the short version of this is, it turns out that the, ostensibly the reason that Hulkling has, uh, has united the Kree and the Skrull and is now headed for Earth is because there's some threat and he believes it's on Earth. So it's not like, okay, it's not like a, uh, necessarily a straight up like let's invade earth uh it's let's take all the army and go kill whatever's about to threaten right. the universe okay we'll see i don't know uh x-men news x-men's been interesting here lately uh but they have a couple of new series that have been announced uh Another thing I you might be interested in this Declan Shelby uh, is doing Punisher. Neat. Uh, but that'll be cool. Uh, other thing of interest: X Factor. They're launching a new X Factor. Um, it is going to be investigative. Okay, so like the way that the second Peter David run started, and then went off the fucking rails it's so here so here's the thing yeah it is being brought together to investigate stuff beyond that i don't really know a lot do you um know, do you know the team the team is going to be prodigy uh from new x-men sure uh academy x all that all right uh polaris <clears throat> okay Prestige, which is Rachel Summers' new code name. Okay. Eyeboy from uh, Wolverine and the X Men, kid who has eyes all over his body. Right. Dokken and North Star. 
Um, and that is going to be written by Leah Williams and drawn by David Baldeon. Uh, Baldeon. I, I don't know. He did Domino. Okay. Uh, and I really like his art. So I'm on board there. Okay. Um, the other thing is uh, Vida, Vida Ayala and Bernard Chang are going to be doing a book called Children of the Atom, which is going to be the newest Bunch of Young Mutants book. Uh, that doesn't bode well, though, because those books, once they end, the characters kind of get fucked. Yeah. I'm still bitter about Generation X. <laughs> I'm at, I you know what? I am thrilled, thrilled that the current New Mutants book has uh, Chamber and Mondo kicking around. Oh, good. Um, I actually really like it because in the most recent issue, they were on a ship headed. They had to. They were in space and they got arrested. And were sprung from jail by Cannonball and his wife, uh, Smasher. Sure. Uh, and then they were press-ganged into running a mission for the Shi'ar that involved uh, collecting Deathbird and bringing her back to Chandelar so that uh, she could act as regent for Lalandra's kid. On their way there... Um, Shi'ar death commandos were dispatched to kill everybody aboard. Uh, a, to make sure Deathbird didn't come back. And B, to make sure nobody knew that they were even trying. Um, and stuff like that. So, Chamber and Mondo are sitting there while the ship is under attack. And uh, they're just like, hmm. They want us to come down and help. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Chambers, like, making a drink, and he's like, you think we should? And, uh, and they're just like, let's not. And they're like, to pacifism. <laughs> and they sit to drink, and, uh, and Mondo's like, how are you gonna drink that? And Chambers, like, very carefully. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh... But yeah, like, I always like the books about young heroes, and especially young mutants, because uh, they are able to do some really interesting stuff. You can do a lot with those stories, I think. But they just keep cycling through them, and then once they're done... The characters kind of get left by the roadside, which... Or cycled into different... It, the problem is, like, new characters, cool as hell. Uh, but, like, there's 11 billion X-Men. Or mutants. That are complex characters that I like. And it's too many to put on an X-Book. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. It's just, it's just a lot. Yeah. And so... And yeah, like, even the characters that don't straight up get killed off generally just get shuffled around because people don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Chamber is a perfect example of that. Chamber is a really good example of that. Uh, skin, dead. Sink, dead right before Generation X ended. Uh, 
Jubilee depowered, now a vampire. Uh, <laughs> okay. Is she still a vampire? I think she's still a vampire. I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. Morbius. Oh, God. Let's let's talk about the good first. Um, um, he looks spot on. He looks good. He looks right. And now the bat. Matt Smith is in it. Matt Smith uh, is in it as a, an apparent Morbius villain that we have not gotten to yet. Yeah, he. I'm completely unfamiliar. I yeah. looked up the character and I'm just like, oh, it's just uh, some guy. And I, yeah. But, yeah. Um, the bad. Uh, first of all, Jared Leto had to have been absolutely insufferable on that set. I wonder if he learned anything. I doubt it. I He doesn't strike me as a guy who learns things here's about the thing. his behavior, but yeah. You know... I, I used to want to be an actor. I studied acting in mm. college for a while. And stuff like that. Um, so, I'm cool with method in theory. Method as far as, like, if you need to cry for a scene, think about a thing that made you sad in your life, and then use that feeling to blah, 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 blah. Fine. People like Jared Leto are the fucking worst. And I forget who it was. Was it someone on, someone on Twitter once said, like, you never see stories about, like, being so... Someone being so very into their character that they go around doing nice stuff for people. It's always like they get so into character that they make the lives of everyone around them hell. Yeah. And Jared Leto is definitely that. And so I can imagine him leaving like drained rats on people's doorsteps and just being a creeper. Like yeah. just like I mean the stories out of uh Suicide Squad were were nightmarish. Yeah. And honestly arrestworthy. Um, so, he's probably, yeah, it's probably not that bad, but just creepy is fair, I think. Yeah. I could definitely imagine him being a fucking creeper. Yeah. And just lurking just like, in shadows. Just lurking on people, and it's just like, hey, hey, Jared, what's <laughs> up? Like, you know. Jesus. Uh, yeah. But the, the other problem, the other problem that I have, and this is, first of all, I do not care about Morbius. I do not care about I don't know, Morbius. I don't know who wanted this movie in the general public. I do know who wanted this movie, and that's a Sony executive, because they, this is... And maybe I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, but this is definitely their... No, really, we're going to make a Sinister Six movie. This is, this is that. And... I don't know why you chose Morbius to do that unless... The original script was fucking kick-ass and you blew people's minds. 
Now, that being said, even if that were true, we're talking about Sony here, who has displayed the incredible ability of taking a decent concept and destroying it. So, I, I don't, I don't have any faith that this is going to be good. Also, just photography, these, the Sony Spider-Man movies, without, the ones without Marvel Studios, photography-wise drive me insane. Because it's like, why are you using this really weird, washed-out palette that makes everything, everything gray, except for the golds? Like, they choose a color, and in Morbius it looks like it's blue. Yeah. And they choose a color. In Venom it was gold. Um, and they're just like, that's the only color you're going to get. Well, um, When especially, I've said before, Venom, the final fight literally looked like two puddles of jizz going at it. And, like... I get it, they're symbiotes, but that's the reason that Marvel has gone out of its way to differentiate the symbiotes is because otherwise it looks it's like just a pile of goo. Yeah. Um, the, big, the big problem that I have is... So Morbius was created not long before... Uh, not long before uh, the comics code lifted some of the restrictions on horror comics. Right. That gave us Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, blah, blah, blah. Um, because originally so, it was, it was we want to use the horror books, or we want to use horror concepts, but we have to get around it. So he's not actually a vampire, well, he is a vampire, but he isn't a cursed vampire. He did this to himself with science. Right. And the the problem that I have is once you remove Morbius from the context of the Comics Code Authority wouldn't allow vampires at that time. All he is is a vampire with extra steps. Yeah. And so... and. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't vampire stories to tell. But looking at the Morbius trailer, there is nothing I'm seeing that screams, this is a new and exciting vampire story. And so at that point, all you the only thing that sets it apart is how he becomes a vampire. And that just seems like a lot of work to get to the same place that an average vampire is able to just be like, blah, I was bit by a dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and so, and don't give me, and then you, well, on that point, whatever vampire story you tell, because it's Morbius, and we took those extra steps to get to him being a vampire, now you have to take extra steps to explain shit in your vampire story. Because... Right. He's driven to drink, but it's for different reasons. Like, it's... Like, you have to continually explain it. Like, that's been the problem with a lot of the stories. The Morbius-focused books we've read has been... Oh my god. 
you have to do so much work. You have to slog through so much work to get him, like, uh, there was the scene where the priest and the rabbi were going to uh, kill him or something for being an intergalactic, or, you know, being in, being a cosmic horror. <laughs> and, and he was like, like you do. And he was just like trying to explain to them that none of this is going to work because I'm not actually that kind of vampire. Like, I'm a vampire. Sure, I want to drink blood, but I'm not actually cursed, so your cross isn't really going to work anything. Now I've drained you and I'm leaving. Like, that whole scene should have, could have been played any number of ways and been hilarious or, uh, frightening more frightening because their stuff isn't the the usual trappings aren't working right or uh but it, it ended up just being like confused everyone was just it could have been poignant like him being like no seriously yeah guys stop Look. yeah or but it ended up just being kind of a confused mess where everyone was just like why isn't this working and he was in a state because his girlfriend wife was back from the dead like it was a mess and i have a feeling that and there there's got to be a good morbius story out there but i haven't read it yet like the one in domino wasn't terrible i haven't read that that was anyway a lot going on plus i just really like gail simone my bottom is bottom line sort of thing feeling about this movie is an even more exaggerated version of my feeling of when before or when the Venom movie got announced, which was really you're gonna make that? Why? The problem, the thing about it is like Venom, Venom was one of those situations where it's like it'd be like trying to do a Green Goblin or a Doc Ock movie. And it's like, but who are they without Spider-Man? That's the problem with the Venom movie. The problem with the Morbius movie is, but like... Who are they? Why? (laughs) Yeah, but... But... but Why? Yeah, I actually... (laughs) I went to dinner... Uh, last night because like both of my in-laws my wife's mom and dad both their birthdays are in late January okay so we went out for their dinner last night because he's getting ready to have knee surgery Mm. so another week and it wasn't going to be any good right but uh while we were there my sister-in-law's boyfriend brought up Morbius and I was outlining kind of like why I really don't give a shit uh which then led to a conversation because he'd never heard of the comics code authority and so I kind of gave him an overview of like that whole thing (laughs) but but yeah it was just like trying to explain like okay but see here's the thing he's a vampire but he's not and he's actually the reason Blade is the way he is, but... Also, that depends on when you're reading. Well, I mean, the thing is, in in Marvel continuity, Blade was... The whole thing about, like, his mom was pregnant, bit, blah, 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 sure, fine. But he was still a human. All right. 
He just had been born of a woman who was killed. It wasn't until Morbius bit him at one point. Whatever was in Morbius's saliva reacted with Blade's unique biochemistry and made him into a the daywalker. Day okay. Uh, but yeah, I just, like I said, I just can't, I'm sure, dear listener, I am sure there is someone out there listening to this who's a huge Morbius fan, and if you are, cool. I, I'm very happy that you get a movie. Um, but personally, and I'm sure my views on Morbius sound incredibly ill-informed, and they are. Because I've never really given enough of a shit. Even during the Midnight Suns era, like, Ghost Rider and Blaze and, like, Blade were always so much more interesting than Morbius to me. Um, but, like, yeah, it's ill-informed because I've just, I've had no desire. There are a lot of characters that I've, like, looked at and been like, that's a really cool character. I'm going to go and check them out. And then, like, maybe I'm disappointed. Morbius never has gotten me wanting to go out and read more. He's just, like, there. Yeah. And then I'm just like, ah, fine. Plus, it doesn't help. The Spider-Man cartoon that's back in gonna, the day. That's what I was going to bring up. First of all, they spent a goddamn season on Morbius. Yeah. It took forever. Second of all, like, this was one of those weird situations where trying to lessen the impact of something made it so much worse. Uh, Morbius, in the 90s cartoon, they couldn't just have a dude with fangs going around ripping out people's throats, so he fed on the plasma in people's blood via assholes in his hand. Like, he had little sucker things on his hand. And, like, when he touched people, it would be like an octopus had, had like, latched onto their face or something. It was horrible. <laughs> it is, was... That is horrifying. If they just made him a vampire, and it just, would have been so much less horrifying. Yeah, you can still do vampire things in a 90s comic, or a 90s cartoon, and just you have him bite... And then release, drop body. You don't have to actually, like, 30 days of night this shit. Yeah, you don't You don't have to go full what we do in the shadows with, like, <laughs> the, like, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Fuck Morbius. I'm done talking about that. Comics! Comics! Uh, Marvel Spotlight, number 31, is written by Jim Starlin, penciled by Howard Chaikin, inked by Howard Chaikin, Colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Jim Novak, I do want to say a couple of a couple things. This one, this one's odd because it yeah. kind of like it kind of sticks out in it like a sore thumb in this week's reading. You're like, wait, um, why are we reading this here? Why am I reading this ever? Um, until closer to the end, when you're like, oh, that's where this fits. Yeah, I mean, this. <sighs> This is one of those situations where Marvel is trying to explain something um, that, you know, just the passage of time has forced them to deal with. What I will say is... Um, Only sort of, though, forced. Like, 
Well, but here, so here's the here's the thing. Um, so the the thing about it is, I will say, I was never a huge fan of Howard Chaykin. A lot of people were like Howard Chaykin, Howard Chaykin, Howard Chaykin. Um, by the time I started reading, Howard Chaykin's art was radically different than this, and I really didn't like it. Sure. Uh, it was only when I went back and started seeing how he, how his art looked back in the seventies and eighties, that I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. Like I, I get why people dig Howard Chaykin. Right. Uh, but like nineties onward, he did a weird, a lot of weird stuff that I was just like, I don't like this artwork at all. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Howard Chaykin's art here, I dig it. Uh, this is the first appearance of the Infinity Serum, uh, and the, the, the Infinity Formula, sorry. The, the thing about it is, so, time makes fools of us all, and, uh, the problem with Nick Fury is he was not a young guy in World War II. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had these stories of, like, uh, I mean, he was a colonel. Colonels aren't always colonels are not eighteen-year-olds. Well, and also, like, even even for a colonel, like, yeah, he was. He looked like he'd been. He looked like he looked like he'd been born probably like at the latest, you know, nineteen oh five. Right. You know, he was he was a middle-aged, hard-drinking, hard-fighting dude. And so the 70s roll around and they're just kind of like, he hasn't changed much for having looked like a middle-aged guy with like a, an alimony yeah. to pay and, and stuff like al- that. And some alcohol problems. Uh, and so this was the solution. And this, in this, we've got, we start out with some, some random asshole who kills a doctor. Um... And he uh, gets hold of this doctor's little black book. And he's like, yeah, now we're going to make some money. And we don't really know what's going on. Uh, But it turns out uh, that then Nick Fury gets a phone call and uh, is informed that the doctor's dead. And we will now be handling all of your uh, future payments. And so Nick, Nick puts Dum Dum in charge back at Shield and goes off to deal with the situation. Um, in the in the course of things, we find out that during the war, Nick was badly injured, and he was brought to this French doctor, who patched him up and gave him this thing called the Infinity Formula. Um, and in the process saved his life, but now he has to have an injection of the Infinity Formula every year, or he will just age into an old man. Yeah. Um, And that the doctor has been blackmailing him all of these years to to make some money. Uh, So Fury goes and checks it out. It turns out that this the guy who killed the doctor is this asshole named Steel Harris who has a casino in Vegas. 
Fury pays him a visit, and um, it's during this visit that somebody breaks in and steals the Infinity Formula. Steel Harris thinks it was Nick's doing, so he and his men try to kill Nick. There's a big old chase and, like, a car hitting a helicopter. It's really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the end, like, Nick is able to escape. And uh, Harris is getting a bit wiggy about the whole thing. Um, yeah, because this was his whole chance to, like, pure, prove himself among the criminal elite that he... Not only prove himself among criminal elite, but also finally get a stable payday. Not just by blackmailing Fury, but also um, maybe using the formula elsewhere. Uh, but he's convinced that it's Fury that's got it. Fury shows back up at the casino and is like, okay, chill. Uh, Steal. Maybe we can... Maybe we can work together to figure out who took it because it sure shit wasn't me. And he wigs the fuck out because he was convinced that Fury had died uh, back on the road. Uh, throughout all of this, a cool thing that's happening is that Fury is beginning to age. Like, yeah. he needs his injection soon. Um, and the it's neat because... The thing that I don't under it's neat because like his hair gets white and the uh, the box text or the narrative text from uh, Nick's point of view is all like I'm getting old that last punch didn't have as much oomph in it as I thought it should also holy shit I think I broke my hand like it's yeah. really good why is Steel Harris getting old because he's already he was already he was being blackmailed by. The Doctor as well. Okay. That's how the Doctor appeared on Steel Harris's... Radar? Radar in the first place, is because he has the... He was given the Infinity Formula 2, and the Doctor was blackmailing him. Yeah. So, it's it's pretty cool, because, you know, in the course of things, Steel's mustache starts to turn gray, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Steel winds up taking a spill through a skylight into the casino. Uh, Nick is down... When Val bursts in, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And uh, she's just like, "When you you were acting wiggy at uh, at Shield HQ, I followed you. It turns out it was her that stole the Infinity Formula. Uh, she injects Nick. He regains his youth, and they go off together. Um, and there's a nice little bit where it's like Nick." realizes that Val is one hell of a woman and it's like, you realize that every other story, man. Yeah. Can you just kind of commit here? Well, I mean, or don't. Maybe he's just getting senile. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought the chase was awesome. The setup for the fight between uh, Nick and Steel was really good. I liked the fact that it's okay, so I'm I'm in I'm weird on the fact that Val just was like okay, he's being weird, like the way that she saves the day 
but I do like the fact that she because I'm not so sure that it's, I'm satisfied with the end of the story but I do like the fact that she just was like you're being fucking weird I hate it when you do this you get all quiet and then you leave the country and you say something enigmatic like I'm going hunting before you leave the building and it makes me nervous so I just follow you Yeah, I like that um her kind of showing up out of nowhere is I don't know if I'm as in on it but oh well they could have they could have done a bit more over the course of the story to you know show that she was kind of I mean I called on that it tail. was I called that it was Val as soon as you know the formula got stolen I in that scene I was like that's Val um but I didn't feel good about it. Yeah. Nova number one. Oh. Uh, oh my. Is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by John Bishima, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Joe Rosen and Gaspar Saladino. All I'm saying about Val is they could have done more because... The Infinity Formula being stolen is almost unconnected. There's not really any connective tissue to suggest that, you know... Anyone else knew about it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Nova number one. I am... I'm really torn on this. I have tried really hard to get into the old school Nova. Uh... Because Nova, Nova's Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, Nova is Green Lantern by way of Spider-Man, basically. Um, if Peter Parker became a Green Lantern, that would basically be Nova. Um, because the, this is quite literally like ship out in space dying member of a of an alien police force uh his enemy is still out there so but he is no longer in a position to fight so he uh he imbues his power into young richard rider of earth uh by absolute random (laughs) Yeah, like it's... He just sends a beam at Earth and he's like, well, I hope that works out. Yeah, this isn't even like a, a Green Lantern situation where it's like, find someone worthy. This is just like, uh, point and pray. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, so Richard, Richard is getting bullied and blah, blah, blah. He goes to the uh, ice cream shop with his friend um who is way into him yeah that that whole thing is just really and he gives her absolutely no reason for her for her to be into him yeah ginger 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 wants the d she's just like, like you're really cute and like smart and funny and i will continue to give you compliments no i'm not okay no, I really think you are. You just need a little confidence. And he's like, no, Mike will still punch me in the face. And he's yeah. like, I'm like, dude, 
I would have killed to have any girl following me around telling me all these nice things about myself. I once did, and I was such an idiot. I never had this. I, I, I don't did think. once. I it was it's really frustrating. Um the the problem was that I had the my self esteem was low enough that I had the uh the Groucho Marx thing going on where it's just like I won't be a member of any club that would have me as a member. Right. Uh, that was pretty much it. It was just like, she's into me, so there's clearly something terribly fucking wrong <laughs> with her. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so they go to the ice cream shop, which seems really anachronistic here. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's straight up 50s, early 50s. Ice cream parlor called Uncle uh, Uncle, Uncle Fudge. Uncle Fudge. Uncle Fudge. Which yeah. I'm sorry, that sounds like a dude who takes pictures in his basement. Yep. Uh, um, but <laughs> so they go to the thing and they they're having a talk and she's trying to cheer him up uh, when the bully comes in and smacks him around a little more and sudden after. It's like right after the bully smacks him in the back of the head. Wham! We are hit with the Nova Force. Uh, right? Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, it's the Nova, it's the Nova Force. And he goes down. And the bully's like, holy shit, I didn't hit him that hard. Yeah. What's going on? Wow, I must be stronger than I thought. Um, they take him to the hospital and wake up. He wakes up. The doctor's like, I don't know why he's sick. Yeah. He's unconscious, but everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, okay, so I'm optimistic. It's at this point, like, while, Ri- while Rich is under, he has a vision of um, of the Nova Centurion in his ship, high above the Earth. And, you know, we we don't get all the details um because you know this this for example you know we don't find out the nova's name yeah we don't Um, find out this centurion's name but we do find out that the nova core has been destroyed by the alien that he's been hunting Right. Um, I don't know that we find that out now. Maybe we found that out earlier. Anyway. Over the course of this issue, I forget where specifically... uh, The important... Yeah, but like some of the specifics about how the Nova... He does bestow upon him the the rich the high rank of Nova Prime, which is like, that's a red flag. Um, If I'm the only one, that means no one can teach me. Uh, He, but we do, we don't really establish the, because you're the only one, you get all the goddamn power. Like they do in Annihilation. Right. Um, Annihilation Conquest. Uh, Anyway, so, there's a monster, it's called Zor. And I'm trying to remember, Roman... He... 
Roman Day appeared in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yes. That was John C. Riley. Because uh, Peter Serafinowicz's character was... Uh, I thought he was Day. No. Uh, Peter Serafinowicz was... Uh, was Garth and Saul. Yeah, you're right. Uh, who is the villainous Nova. Um, but, yeah. Uh, whatever. The, po the point is, yeah. John C. Riley appeared as Roman Day in the movie. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. I don't know. This whole thing... The upshot of all of this is Rich wakes up, he displays some superpowers at first, and everybody's like, that was fucking weird. And nobody makes any sort of connection at any point, but whatever. So, uh, Rich returns to school, Mike's still being an asshole, Ginger still clearly is gagging for it, and we, we run across Bernie and Cap. Uh, Bernie... I don't know. Bernie's Bernie's strange. I don't know how to feel about Bernie. Uh, Cap. Cap is like a young guy. Like he looks like he's eight. Yeah. Or twelve compared to these other people, and it's like, why are you in? Why are you at a high school? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's got a disorder, and we should like chill. No, no. Until, okay. until such time as they say he has a disorder, I'm just gonna be like, "What's this fucking kid doing hanging around?" And then if it turns out he does, then I'll be like, "Oh, sorry." But as it stands, he's he's some fucking kid. But uh, so he we we cut to Rich not paying attention in math class and is called out by one of his because he's daydreaming about the power he's been given and the vision that he had while he was in the hospital and uh the teacher calls him out and is like what's 18 to the fifth power and he just comes up with the answer immediately yeah um and he's like i don't know how i did that um uh, okay and he's like ginger's like well let's go get more ice cream let's hang out let's do this and he's like i think i'm gonna go home i feel weird and she, he's like which is actually kind of okay by me yeah uh he goes home and thinks on it for a while and turns into nova yeah uh, he get he gets hit with another blast of whatever from space and it's at this point that he actually transforms into nova uh so then he goes flying around and we get our first look at nova the human rocket um he's out trying to sort of get the hand get a whole handle on flying uh when he receives a message over his helmet radio uh it tunes into the local police band and announces that uh there is some sort of super powered incident going on uh well mike and his girlfriend are sitting there and uh, at Uncle Fudge's, I guess, or whatever. Marvel Burgers. Oh, Marvel Burgers, sorry. 
Where are Sorry. they? Where are I, they in New York? Is this Queens? I, Where I is this? Know. I don't know. I don't uh, know. I don't know New York, by the way. So clearly, they they're giving Ginger shit because she's pining after Rich, and they're just like, "So you got you got uh, you got ghosted, huh? Yeah, it's okay. You can chill with us until uh, until you either get over this shit or he shows back up." Yeah, which is a surprisingly nice move on their part. Yeah, like, it really is. But uh, they see they see Nova flying, and they're like, "Holy shit, a dude flying! Let's follow him!" And so they head toward the battle. Uh, Richard arrives, and it's Zor, the one that wiped out Roman Day's planet. Um, and uh, they fight, and. <sighs> Nova's not doing well, but, you know, it's his first day. Like, you you hate to see it, but it's understandable. Um, he can't, he can't get a handle on the fighting. He can't get a handle on the flying, uh, which when you're Nova at this point in time, like, they haven't really introduced a lot of the gravimetric stuff. So at this point, that's really all there is to Nova. Yeah. And so he doesn't. It doesn't go well for him. Uh, he is able to save a couple of people, or a, a dude falling out of one of the buildings that he ran into. Right. He's like, "Man, I gotta watch this. I'm bre- I am breaking more things with my body than he than the bad guy is because I'm just uncontrolled." Okay, yeah. I, I need so like he's taking pointers. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the gang shows up. I'm going to call them that. And a building immediately tries to fall on them. Nova is able to stop the building so that they can get out from underneath it. And then Zor vanishes. Yeah, Zor straight up, like... He's like, peace. Richard... Oh, no, yeah. Richard wins because literally the villain disappears. And it turns out it's because Roman Roman Day teleported Zor up to his ship and like used what was left of his energy to kill Zor and he disappeared in the process. Yeah. Everybody um, got disintegrated. Yeah. Um not a great start. <laughs> it's not a good it's not a great start. I I don't know why it is that early Nova doesn't really click to me. Um because I love... Here's the thing. I'm a huge Green Lantern fan. Right. And knowing that Nova gets really fucking good later, combined with the fact that it's a Green Lantern knockoff, yeah, means I should be on board. And in theory, I am. But these first few issues are really rough. And we'll get into why... Uh, here in a here in a minute with two and three, but man, like I want to, I want to love it. I want to love it so hard. Well, the thing is, I was looking at the covers for like this run, and I'm yeah. like, I'm just look, I'm just looking at the covers. I'm like, there's a lot of Earth here. This yeah. this is a lot of Earth. Yeah, and I don't know why that like 
a Hal Jordan Green Lantern, you can be on Earth all day. I don't care. Go for it. Uh, for some reason, I'm fine with that. He does occasionally goes up to Io and like hangs out with them. Oa, Oa, sorry, and hangs out with Goddamn fucker, uh, and you know does some like team ups with other uh, Green Lanterns and goes and you know does space police things. But like his home base is here. That's established. Um, Nova, I want him in space immediately. Like I just. I know we can't do that because we've established him as a 17-year-old, but at the same time, I don't just put him... And I'm also being... I have been trained by Annihilation Conquest and all of that stuff where it's like, this is... Nova is cosmic. Nova is a cosmic character. Like, he needs right. to be out with the fucking... Not even the scrolls. like, they're too close to Earth. Like, I, I need him way go out there. With uh, uh, Adam Strange and Adam Strange, Adam Warlock, Warlock and uh, Captain Marvel, like way fucking out there. And when he's on Earth, I'm like, this is just we're we're not doing interesting things here. Well, I want it weird, but that okay. I don't. I don't think they bring in a lot of the cosmic stuff with Nova until the '90s. Okay. Cuz like That's uh, fair. Garth and Saul and all of that I think was in Nova's second book which was in the 90s. Okay. Um during the time that he was with like the New Warriors and shit. And I'm um, I'm fully on for this is a Max problem, right? Like this is not the book's problem and I kind of need to get over it, but like that's I have all this all of my current Nova knowledge is still coloring this book and that's yeah. that's that's something I need to get over. My my biggest my biggest problem is kind of kind of similar but not quite. One of the big problems is the villains. Oh the God. villains the in this book are fucking horrendous. But the other the other problem that I have is that, you know, Nova they're trying to sort of capture that Spider-Man lightning in a bottle again, uh, and I mean Marvel does that all the time. They're constantly trying to get another Spider-Man, another X-Men, another blah blah blah. blah. Uh, and it's a generational thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But no. I guess you can't you can't have Kamala Khan unless you're trying. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But the problem that I have is one of even my earliest exposure to Nova was like New Warriors, Nova Volume Two, stuff like that. Where he's a bit older. Yeah. Uh, and so this Peter Parker at Midtown High shit with Nova is not something that combined with the villains makes this really just not click for no, me. It drags so hard. All the, all the high school stuff drags so hard because I'm just like, I mean, I know that 
you're you're trying to bring in new readers and blah 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 like but for me again maybe this is a max problem but like i have seen this i know let's go <laughs> well and also you know one of the major problems i always had with uh teen books teen books never clicked for me even when i was a teen um because i don't care like i don't want to see somebody who yeah has like the only teen books that really clicked for me were the books like Teen Titans, where they're all living in a tower and chilling and going on adventures. Yeah. Or Generation X, where it was like, we go to a school, but, I mean... It's not that bad. School, it's, the it, school it, part's fun. It's a, it's a quote-unquote <laughs> school. Far more often, we're off doing other shit. Um, the, the ones that clicked for me were the ones that were a bit older... And yeah. were able to like have their own lives. That was aspirational to me. No, I could not wait until I was able to just be like, I'm an adult now. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I think that's... I'm going to eat cereal for dinner. Fuck you, mom. Like, you know. Clearly, okay, so that's the Spider-Man draw, right? Like, the original Spider-Man draw was, and we're taking too long on this, but the original Spider-Man draw was, this, look kids, you could be a hero too. Like, that's what... Spider right. Spider Verse is about that, right? Um, but it really works very rarely uh, to actually get me engaged into the character because I don't care about the kid who's getting bullied and has a shitty love life. I'm already doing that. Thank you. I, I can <laughs> like, I can see that in the mirror every day. I don't care about what and like how he gets and like how and secret identity stuff. Blah blah blah. Let's take a break. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll be back with Nova number two here in a minute. Yep. But, you know, whatever. Uh, Nova number two. Yep. Uh, man. Uh,. I really don't want to talk about two and three all that much. Uh, the what? short version of uh, this creative team the same. Oh yeah, it's lettered by Joe Rosen. Okay, sorry. So that yeah, I don't want to talk about this either because the villains are just garbage. Um, the long and short of it is there's a villain named the Car the Condor. He is working to get out from under the thumb of some other villain, uh, unnamed, and has conscripted into this fight a guy called... Uh, Powerhouse. Powerhouse, who... The Condor is just a dude with big black wings, um, and Powerhouse has the ability to drain power from uh, other heroes. Or from other folks. They eventually get fighting and are... Nova, after power, after Condor, Powerhouse shows up, punches on Nova for a little while, and then drains some of his power before the cops show up, and then everybody leaves. Uh, it's They're after something at the... Um, 
at the museum. Powerhouse, who this entire time has actually been trying to be a... Or wants to be a good guy and doesn't actually want to fight Nova that much. Is also trying to get out from the, under the thumb of the Condor. Uh, he ends up destroying the thing that the Condor was after. Uh, again, Nova doesn't so much win as he doesn't lose. Well, Nova is able to take out Powerhouse with a uh, fire extinguisher. The one thing I will say, we do meet, uh, well, Nova's brother, yeah, Robert, appeared in issue one, but there wasn't really a lot about him. Issue two, we kind of get to know a bit more about him, and he's a huge, he's a huge tech guy. Yeah. He's constantly inventing uh, stuff like that. Uh, he's very smart, and he and Richard, he and Richard don't really connect uh, because Richard's just kind of like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but whatever. And but at the yeah. same time, this kind of reminds they they don't really connect, but also they're not adversarial in any any right. way. Yeah, it's just like. Hey, you're really... Yeah, dude, if you're into this shit, go for it. And I don't know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, no, uh, it, I don't want to make it sound like they're at a, no. clear, They clearly love each other right. and stuff like that. It's just uh, nice it's to just, have that kind of relationship in a book where it's just like, they're just brothers. Yeah. And one of them's not a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're just fine. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned this simply because his brother does wind up playing a bigger role later on um i know at one point at one point in post annihilation uh when world mind actually goes about starting to rebuild the nova core uh robbie becomes a nova uh but yeah uh, so yeah, they're the dreaded one, blah, blah, blah. Nova number three is penciled by Sal Bashima, inked by Tom Paul Palmer, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Irving Watanabe. Uh, this time it's Diamond Head. Uh, Whoa. and it's, his head is literally in the, in like the shape of a diamond. Yeah, his whole body is diamond, his head is in the shape of fucking diamond he was a boxer who always even as a kid really enjoyed playing the villain and then he became a boxer and then he became a rob a burglar robber type person uh he's he went into an experimental or a laser or an experiment a laboratory facility that was doing experiments with lasers and was going to steal their giant fuck off diamond uh, he got hit with the laser and the diamond at the same time, but if he used his body, whatever. He's strong and durable. Big shot. Yep. Uh, it takes forever for us to get started here. When we do, Diamond Head does a bunch of crimes to eventually get caught so that he can be in the prison and steal something from the warden. Uh, uh, he Then he goes and starts trying to steal from a different place. Uh, Nova shows up. They kind of fight. Nova gets his ass kicked. This fight's actually fairly good. 
in a he's sort of learning now yeah um it's a little bit of like it's a good punching bag for nova yeah and like diamond head's not exactly the most skilled combatant he's way more of a brawler which fits which is like good for uh rich to train with yeah uh the only thing that's maybe going forward we might have to hear bernie and cap cappy whatever cap cap go they were at school they walked home after doing a project cap goes into his house and is confronted by somebody who's like somebody you murdered somebody and it's like how he's six (laughs) what what did he do choke him with his tonka truck uh, the fight does not go well for anyone at the subway station. Um, it looks like, it, it looks like Diamond Head gets his head bashed in by a concrete, uh, like, tunnel casing. And, in fact, he's fine, because he's made a diamond. And, at the very end... Diamond Head still got whatever he stole from the warden. He's got whatever he was stealing from the other building. And uh, Condor approaches him at the end of their fight and is like, hey, ba- hey, man, I think we're both working toward the same purposes of getting out from underneath the dreaded one. Hooray. Let's work together. Sure. I'm hoping the dreaded one is the Sphinx because the, the Sphinx is the only one from this era that really stuck around. And it... It has to be the Sphinx, right? I don't know. Uh, Captain America, number 193, uh, is the triumphant return of writer-penciler Jack Kirby. It's inked by Frank Giacoya, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by John Costanza. I will say, fun fact, uh, Captain America Civil War may was at a point where it may or may not have happened. Because after Age of Ultron, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract was over. Um, And they weren't sure if they were going to get him back on board. Uh, Had Civil War not happened, there was apparently talk of doing a Mad Bomb movie. Uh, I am torn. (sighs) Mad Bomb is one of those things. This is very... This is a very Kirby story. Oh, yes. This is a super Jack Kirby story. This is this is the kind of thing that if you read it and it turned out to not be Jack Kirby, you'd be like, "No, that can't be right." And reread the reread the uh uh credits. Uh the frustra- the frustrating thing is I can't out and out call it stupid. Because, you know, the Mad Bomb itself is a, is the sort of thing... I mean, Warren Ellis did something very similar in global frequency with, like, the mimetic, uh, the mimetic bomb and uh, stuff like that. He's doing, uh, he's doing similar, smaller scale things in injection as well. Yeah. Um... So that in and of itself is not uh, necessarily, but so much about this is so very Jack Kirby and so much about it, it's just like, 
Okay. Uh, so Cap and Falcon are at Layla Taylor's apartment and everything's fine. They're arm wrestling because machismo. And uh, suddenly shit goes wild. Like Falcon's just like, fuck you. And Cap's like, no, fuck you. But then they break out, they get over it. And then Layla starts grabbing a knife and trying to kill him. And then they go outside and everybody's going ape shit. Like the whole area is just exploding into violence. Um, This goes on for some time until Cap is able to crawl around (coughs) amidst the chaos and he sees this device we find out it's the mad bomb he manages to crawl to it and it's struggle it's a struggle the whole way he gets there cracks the thing and it's like there's a brain inside it yeah um oh no wait we don't get there anyway after that everybody basically passes out um like the harlem passes out um and he they have to save a couple of people because of the destruction that was done, like, matinee, uh, it's not a matinee. Stuff's, fall, stuff's fallen off of buildings, uh, people need saved, they do that. Marquee. Marquee, that's right. The shield, the, a shield agent shows up and grabs Cap's attention and is like, okay, what the fuck happened? And Cap's like, I think it was this thing, because everything stopped after I broke it. And the shield agent is like, cool, um, by the way, we need you to come with us. Because I have other news about that and we can't really talk about it in the open. So they leave. And go to somewhere in the mountains, maybe. It feels New Mexico, Arizona. And pass a bunch of tests again this is very jack kirby we take our heroes and immediately put them into death traps uh turns out because it looks cool yep turns out henry kissinger who is not a villain this time um although in real life still villain henry kissinger is always the villain even (laughs) the thing that i uh the thing that i really liked was that um the the thing about the mad bomb movie I actually found out from a cracked article at one point and I always found it really funny because in that uh, they were talking about Kissinger appearing in this and putting Cap and Falcon on the case of the Mad Bomb and uh, they describe uh, Kissinger as that that champion of democracy as long as it's American <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, uh, so, so, um, uh, Kissinger essentially explains to them what's going on. Like the, the mad bomb that was in New, New York. York was peanut. They know that there was one, a larger one they found in river city, which, well, so they've been, they've been slowly scaling them up. Yeah. Uh, the one in New York was the third such device. Yeah. There was a very small one, uh, which went off in a town called Miner's Junction. 
uh, and just destroyed the place. Uh, and then one was set off in River City and just fucking destroyed the place. Then the third was the one in New York. And they've been slow, getting bigger over the course of these. Uh, and they're just, and Kissinger is just like, it's for me, thinks that there's a, there's one uh, that is even bigger. Uh, we call it the big daddy. And, uh, yeah, so the, the whole thing is big daddy mad bomb and it's huge. Uh, there's a picture of it and it's enormous. And yeah, they have these like little weird fake brains in them. What it's very, again, it's very Jack Kirby. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, so Captain America number 194 is lettered by Gaspar Saladino. One thing that I did find interesting in the course of looking at some of these issues is that, by and large, uh, Kirby does away with like a lot of the supporting characters in this book when he takes back over. Uh, yeah, it really does read like he kind of hated the few the things that were going on in this book beforehand. Sharon Carter makes an appearance uh, in the course of this storyline. Uh, well, not not sorry. There's Mad Bomb and then the thing afterward, and she appears in that. Uh, Layla Taylor's still around, but like not even Red Wing appears in these issues. Yeah, uh, it is. Holy Cap and Falcon. Um, but so this issue starts and they're like trying to inoculate Cap and Falcon's brains against this shit. And they're kind of worried that they fried them. <laughs> uh, but they survived. Um, and we we get a we we get a bit with uh, William Tory. And uh, General Hessian, um, who are involved with the elite. Um, and we find out that their whole deal is they think the American Revolution shouldn't have happened. Uh, and they are trying to restore the aristocracy in the United States. Whoop de fucking do. We also find out that. William Tory's ancestor during the revolution was <laughs> uh, was shot to death in a duel with a man named Stephen Rogers. Because he was on his way to inform the British of what Washington was doing. Rogers stopped him and uh, and so this dude has carried around a mat on over a 200 year old grudge uh and so he he in addition to wanting to take over the country he also wants to find the descendant of the dude who, who killed his great 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 grandpappy uh so that he can shoot him and it's just like <laughs> dude there is a lot to unpack there. You, um, 
you don't need a mad bum. You need a therapist. Uh, several, maybe. Yeah. Like, like a team. <laughs> um, but whatever. So, uh, Captain Falcon head to South Dakota um, because S.H.I.E.L.D. lost some agents there. Um, and while they are while they are looking around, they encounter this random giant. Uh, and, you know, it's a big misunderstanding. The giant is actually kind of whatever, but, uh, but they are interrupted from making friends with the giant by the forces within this base that is surrounded by foam boulders. Because... You have giants, dude. Just make the door an actual rock, and then this shit won't happen. But whatever. Um, they get inside, and they they are they find out that the giant is like a mutated human. Uh, that the the forces within this base just take people that they don't think matter, and uh, basically lobotomize them and alter them into whatever, and use them for labor. Um, which, I have to give them credit, uh, despite being Aristo shitheads. Uh, this is still more foresight than you see in, like, uh, Atlas Shrugged. Because, like, you know, in Atlas Shrugged, they had, like, all the best and brightest come to their new country and it's just like, okay, but, like, who's going to build the roads? Like, <laughs> whatever. Um, so. Who's going to maintain all these trains? Yeah. Um, Cap and Falcon uh, wind up in a jail cell. But they get, they're like, okay, let's do this shit. And uh, start getting into costume. And then it's like. The world of 1984. And it's like, okay, whatever. Thanks, Jack. Uh, Captain America, number 195, is inked by D. Bruce Berry, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and D. Bruce Berry. Um, Don't worry, guys. We are not going to do any time travel. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to rip off the metaphor. Not even so, great. Yeah, not even... Not even well done. Yeah, it's not. So look, they break out. Because, of course they do. Um, and basically start a prison riot in the labor pens. And they kick everybody. Everybody's ass gets kicked. Or not. Or whatever. And they escape into the lab where they're doing experiments on people. Um, and at that point, they are interrupted by that what is her name cheer chadwick cheer chadwick who is one of the, the daughter of one of the big wigs and she is like i like these two they're spunky make them go fight to the death and basically saves them from the soldiers who have by this point put down the uh the prison riot and we're hunting after Falcon and Cap. Okay. 
she explains how society works in this mountain that they live in. Um, I don't care. You guys can figure it out. There's, there's people up top, they control everything, and they deserve to control everything because they do. Uh, that's, that's... And the people who want freedom are just like freedom freaks, man. Yeah, she's really a beatnik. Okay, meanwhile, outside, in the North Dakotan desert... And to be clear, Dakota. freedom freak is a thing they actually, like, reference in here. It's... It's bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, outside, <laughs> there's a general. His name is... Awesome. I just don't remember what the hell it is. General Argyle Fist. Yeah. God damn it, that's a fantastic name. That is that is I that is, is either the best name that is the best name for either a a fighting man or a porn star. <sighs> like those are if your name is General or if your name is Argyle Fist, those are the two roles you can have. Because nobody, nobody is going to go to uh, Doctor Argyle Fist <laughs> DDS to uh, to Argyle Fist CPA, yeah, or anything like that. Like no, it's. It's military or porn. Um, <laughs> so they've got a machine. The, mil- the military's got a machine that's called Hound Dog that's basically, uh, they say it's ground sonar, which I guess that's a thing. They used it in Jurassic Park. Uh, and they're going to take, they're going to fly this ship to try and find where the base is. Are but you, are you actually taking your scientific cues from Jurassic Park? From John Creighton? Yes. John Crichton? No. Michael Actually, Crichton. John Crichton. John Crichton? Yes. From Farscape. Okay. All Everything right. I needed to know about life I learned from Farscape only. I guess it's maybe better than kindergarten. Yeah. I'm not... I'm, I'm apparently... Ha- <laughs> I'm having a day. I'm having a day. Uh, so, we switch back to in the base where... Cheer is explaining how. Oh. Cheer took him, t- took them to a Big Brother rally where we get fascism explained to us again, uh, and the mob gets riled up and beats up an effigy of the freedom freak, and hooray! And everyone, both Cap and Falcon, are like. This is fucking horrifying. And, and she's there's like, like, there's a dude who's a face on a screen. Yeah, it's and big And they're brother. like, so that's the, your leader? And she's like, no, he's like a composite. He doesn't exist. He's just, he's he's a face. That's all, that's all that matters is just he's a face to say some shit. And uh, whatever. I Okay. Move, move. She, she throws some 1984 at us. I'm, I'm done. Moving on. A uh, big lady comes in and backhands both Cap and Falk, uh, and they are beat up and taken to the the games, or whatever it's called. Yeah, honest because, to God, this is. 
you can't you can't have a fucked up society without death sport. Like you could have an ostensible utopia, but the minute you find out that like maybe it's not as perfect as it appears, there's gonna be a death sport. Yep. Just got, without you, fail. You got a rollerball at some point. Uh, Chir Khan, at the end of this, Chir Khan's acts her dad and is like, hey, so they were asking about the Mad Bomb, but that's all I got. And there, she's like, well, to hell with them. Okay. 196, please God. Captain America 196 is lettered by John Costanza and D. Bruce Berry. They are... They do a rollerball. The the rollerball is is going. Uh, Cap gets his shield taken away by one of the guys on the rollerball team. Tinkerbell, the big, the big lady that beat him up first, doesn't actually want them on her team because uh, they will be bad at it and there's actual stakes for the people in the game. Uh... We're, yeah, weirdly, when you force people to compete, they generally don't give their best. Yeah. Uh, so one of the team, one of T- Tinkerbell's team members, takes Cap's shield. They throw them both in the in a containment area, and uh, the games begin. As soon as the games begin, Cheer is like, "What the fuck is this bullshit? Where is Cap?" Or where are the two I told you to use? And Tinkerbell's like, we really don't want to because we, they're gonna just fuck up our plans. Like we've got it. We actually want. There's like a prize they want to win, and fine, okay. She goes and gets them, releases them. They at first, Cap's like, I'm not doing that. Fuck you. And Falcon's like, yeah, but we need to get your shield back because we can't allow it to be used as a standard for these people. Okay, fine. So, uh, oh, uh, Argyle Fist and his folks are still searching for the base. Hooray. We go do our death sport. There's a fight. This part, I don't, it's not bad. It's fine. Eventually, it goes mano a mano, Cap and the guy who took his shield. Uh, he ne- he never gets it. He never gets his shield back ever again. Story over. Actually, Captain America done. <laughs> no, of course he gets his shield back because the guy explodes himself. Uh, and oh, that's the next issue. He doesn't even he doesn't even explode this issue. Uh, uh, anyway. Long story short, I've already said too much about it. He's going to explode. He's going to explode, guys. Uh, Captain America number 197 is inked by Frank Giacoya, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by John Costanza. Uh, So Cap fights the guy who took his shield. Um, It's just a dude. The guy, the guy has like your standard Kirby weapon, electro mace, uh, uh, and he at one point throws the shield at Cap. Cap, of course, 
I mean, it's Cap. He doesn't get hit. The shield comes back around to the dude, and it turns out he had planted plastic explosive on it, so he gets hoisted, quite literally hoisted by his own petard. Um, in case a petard is a bomb, uh, if you did not know that, listener. So anyway, so. <laughs> On the surface... I have nothing. I can't even summon the energy to be... This story does not get good until the last issue. Um, And even then. On the surface, the army finds the entrance to the base. Okay, cool. So, Cap is like... Back in the games, Cap's like... Are you not entertained? Uh... The hostile voices are like, you know what, fuck you. Or the crowd basically turns on them and is like, fuck you for, you know, calling us out on our love of blood sport. Um, and take your take your lottery and get out of here. And Cap's like, you know what, no, screw this. Or no, Falcon's like, you know what, screw this, we're done. And they start fighting their way out of the arena. Everybody wants them dead. It's a big old Donnybrook. Finally, then, like the yeah. soldiers show up and they're shooting, and Cap and Falcon are just like, "Let's go help the soldiers," and, and they do. They do. You they know, throughout control, this story, they take control of the base. They take control of part uh, of the, some of the base. Uh, throughout this story, it makes me go, "This." Do I like Jack Kirby? Yeah, I... Hmm. Okay, 99. Well, so Cheer does escape with her her shadowy, mysterious father. Uh, I looked it up because I was curious as to... Because you don't really see her dad at all in this. Um, and he does show up again later uh, in Thunderbolts, like way down the line. Holy shit. Yeah. <sighs> Okay. So, uh, but he he tells her that the Mad Bomb is where it needs to be and it's going to go off on Bicentennial Day because if you're Captain America in the 70s, you have to have something hap- big happen on Bicentennial Day or else, what the fuck are you even yeah, doing? Yeah, why are we even here? <laughs> uh, so Captain America number 198 is colored by Michelle Wolfman and lettered by Gaspar Saladino okay they managed to find where the Mad Bomb was constructed but it's gone uh, and hooray we cut to inexplicably because, or at least we don't understand what's going on for a while this guy, Professor Mason Harding, and his daughter, Carol. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Carol's been sick and is in is is in bed, and she she thinks she's getting a she's getting better. Uh, her dad is accompanied by some goons who are like. Uh, hey, Prof, we gotta go. Okay, it's time to go. Time to go. Uh, the car's waiting. And uh, they sort of muscle him out uh, to a car where 
they then leave, the house is being monitored by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who uh, radio in and are like, hey, something interesting is going on in this house, on this estate. Uh, cut to that night, the lights are still on in Carol's bedroom, hospice room. Yeah, they are. And uh, Cap sneaks into the house. Yeah, he does. And they fall in love instantly. Like, yeah. Um, Sharon, who... Yeah. It's actually kind of frustrating. Because... The story requires it. And Does it, though? That's like, been her thing. Her whole, Carol's thing here is that she hasn't talked to anyone but the hospice care and the her dad in a long time and she's really lonely thanks jack. yeah she is thanks jack taking risks with character development um i'm asking too much from comic books i need to calm down the thing is, you're not... The, I'm not asking too much. I'm asking for things that are being done current... Like, current to this book. You know? Like, Spider-Man... That's, that's the thing. What frustrates me is... Like, this feels like a massive step backward... Even compared to what's going on elsewhere at this moment. Like... Yeah. Marvel in general is doing stuff that's better than this. This feels incredibly golden age. And that's why I'm just like, Jack, is that what you wanted? It has to be. Because is this before or after they fucked with Superman's head? What do you mean? Because is this before or after he goes to DC... And then they fuck with Superman's head. Uh, this was... It has to be after, because Fourth World is already written. Yeah, this was after. So, they lured him, and this is what I was thinking was, they lured Jack back with the, you can do any goddamn thing you want with Cap Like, just come back. And he's like, I want Captain America for Bicentennial. And they're like, okay, App had been doing really well, so yeah, go go for it. Uh, you'll pull readers on name recognition alone. Do it, and then they got this, and they were just like, "Oh no, oh no!" Yeah, uh, because it feels like Golden Age Captain America. Anyway, whatever. Cap goes. Cap makes plans to meet with her the next night. Then he goes and meets back up with Falcon. Uh, <clears throat> the the next night, uh, she shows up at the beach, and he comes riding up on a horse, uh, wearing a turtleneck. And seriously, this is like this is like um, this is like straight romance novel yeah ending. Like, this is this is you know yeah so there are my mom reads books that are like 
There are uh, dudes with guns on a hilltop that are ready to take out both Steve and the girl because she's marked for death anyway? I mean, like, really, like the only reason they're keeping her around is because keeping her healthy and alive keeps Harding... Uh, building mad bombs. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Like, that's... Harding doesn't really want to be doing these people's bidding, but they're funding her... They're funding her care and also threatening to murder her if he doesn't. Like you too. Um, anyway, they storm the mansion, take in all the bad guys, and... Uh, while Cap... While Cap has a... Has a straight up fucking Carol has a straight up 1930s style. Someone kicks sand in his face, um, and he wrecks shop on these dudes because, of course, he does. Like picks up a boulder and threatens to throw it at them. At which point, she's like, "Oh my God, you're Captain America, aren't you?" And he's like, "I mean, of course I am." Uh, anyway it's it's one of, this is one of those things like this there are there are books that when we're reading them I really really like or I really really hate um and then there are books that I feel one way or the other but it's kind of ambivalent yeah. And it's only when we're talking about them that I realize exactly how much I like or how much I hate them. Uh, this is a this is a situation where I'm realizing how much I hate, and it's comfortable, you know. <laughs> it's like slipping on an old sweater. Sure, it's just like, ooh, I feel all toasty now. Fuck this. Um, so, yeah, 99. Number 99 is colored by Phil Rachelson. Cap is in a castle, and he's jumped by some goons with swords. And, Cause, you know, and, and, and they're regular-ass Cap goons. And uh, Falcon saves his butt. Uh, there with shield. Oh no, he's not in a castle. He's in a basement of the estate of the 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 Harding estate. Um, because they were still cleaning up royalist jerks. Okay, shield clears out the entire thing. Carol's okay. Uh, she ex- Cap explains to or has been explaining to Carol that her dad is the one who's building the mad bombs. She can't believe it, but actually sort of can once she. Once Cap's like, yeah, they, he was being blackmailed because of your care and also just general your safety. And she's like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. Um, please don't hurt him. And Cap's like, we'll try to get him out without hurting him. Meanwhile, Harding is confronting Tori being like, you told me I could go see my daughter, and he's Tori's like, no. Okay, cool. So they imprison him. 
Or no, they go to imprison him. He uses a, a absolutely tiny mad bomb on these two guys that are going to imprison him or kill him. They kill each other. And he... Harding breaks out of the... Wherever he is. Right. And grabs a car, drives back home. Oh, no. Tori had sent a rigged car. Yeah. Um, and as it arrives, it explodes. Falcon keeps Cap from getting exploded with it. <clears throat> they go inside, at which point Harding shows up, and he's just like, Ah, my daughter! And Cap's like, it's okay, she's safe. We need to know everything about <clears throat> the bomb. And uh, Harding's like, if you're just going to... He plays a little hard to get with this, even though his whole thing was to leave. That's this is this and is then, what annoys me is because up until now it's being presented as uh, as Harding agrees only because of his daughter, but once he's in this issue and the next, and I think two oh one, he's almost he's. He's presented as though he's a believer somewhat. Um, because, yeah, he he talks to... He talks to Captain Falcon, but he is not entirely cooperative. Um, he's not entirely cooperative, and then, Fa- then Falcon and Cap have to go, like, hard sell on him in order to get the information out and it's a little jarring it's all a little jarring yeah in the end he agrees to tell them the location of big daddy and also as a bonus um provide them with a thing with something that will guarantee immunity against just in case it goes off yeah or immunity against some of the defenses at the uh where the big daddy is and at the end of it uh, Tori's like, go ahead and activate the mad bomb now. Uh, hooray. So then we get to Captain America number 200, which is colored by Don Warfield and lettered by uh, John Costanza. Shield, Shield institutes a two-pronged assault. On the one hand, you have Falcon leading a bunch of dudes uh to uh Tory Towers in Philly uh in order to take out the mad bomb while Cap leads a bunch of guys to William Tory's estate. Um they they are they make their way through, there's some fighting, blah blah blah, who gives a shit. Uh, Falcon manages to defeat, take out the Mad Bomb, uh, and Cap comes face to face with Tori and uh, finds out about Tori's hard on for killing Steve, uh, Rogers. Steve Rogers. And Cap's like, Well, I'll be a stand in for Steve Rogers. His honor is as important to me as my own, and all this shit. And, uh, so 
Um, but Cap, <laughs> I do kind of enjoy that Cap is just like, go ahead and shoot me. Come on. What are you going to do? Shoot yeah. me. You're a big man, Mr. Tory. Go ahead and shoot me. And Tory can't fucking do it. Um, but Falcon overloads the mad bomb and it just blows up instead of uh, driving everyone insane. So at the end of it, Falcon and Cap get in contact with each other and they're like, oh my God, how was yours? And it's like, oh, it's so great. How was yours? Oh, it's so good. Uh, and yeah. Uh, so Captain America number 201 is colored by Phil Rachelson. Um, in this storyline, we have the Night People. Ooh. Uh, and while Cap and Falcon are off dealing with the Mad Bomb, the Night People keep having, keep appearing, uh, and, you know, stealing shit and, um... What's the name of the bad guy in Oliver Twist? The Artful Dodger. Yeah. This, this dude at the beginning kind of reminds me of him. Is that who I'm thinking of? No, Artful Dodger was his friend, wasn't it? Well, he's the one who trained him. Uh, anyway. Anyway, so yeah. The night I, people... I realized when I said that. Uh... The night people are going throughout New York. Fagan. Fagan, yeah. That's what I was... I was like... I said Artful Dodger, and I'm just like, that's not right. Uh, but anyway, Cap and Falcon come back, and Layla's telling her, uh, telling them about the night people. Uh, they call... He calls Layla, and she tells them about the night people attacks, and then is taken by the night people. So Falcon's like, bye, uh, and leaves to go back to New York, where he, on the way... He's in the sky, and his plan is, hey, there's a plane going by. Great. I will grab onto the plane. That goes poorly. Um, and he is rescued. Like, like it would. When, because inertia is a thing. Uh, and inertia and momentum, like all of physics. Uh, he is saved at the... Saved? He can fly. Um, he is saved. He bounces <laughs> off the plane, but then gets lassoed by the plane's owner. Layla is taken before the leader of the night people and called, or no, not a, not a leader. It's an arbiter, a judge, and she's, does she want to become a night person? And he's, she's like, not really the inquisitor. And too bad like she can't the thing with this guy is like no matter what she says they decide that they don't like it well the whole the, they need a superhero oh they yeah. abducted her because they found out that she was connected to falcon so they monitor what's going on they find falcon they find falcon getting off the jet in new york uh, and he goes to take off to go looking for Layla. They open a portal in his way. He flies through and is grabbed. Uh, and the, the guy who gave him the ride, Texas Jack Muldoon, uh, 
is just like, holy shit. Yeah. But, yeah. So. Texas Jack, you're terrible, but you kind of saved this story. He is taken. I mean, yeah. Uh, He's taken and he and Layla are uh, prepared treated prepared for the ordeal and yes they're treated so that basically mind wiped and that's the end we, that's all we see yeah and then cap finds out that falcon's gone missing now and vanished um, into a portal in the thin air and yeah blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, Cap a number 202 is colored by George Russo's. Cap, like, steamrolls into Jack Muldoon's home and uh, is just like, tell me what happened to him. Uh, and, and Jack Muldoon's like, could you put my, my people down? Like, I would have just come to the door. You're Captain America. Yeah. Um, and they talk. And find out that nothing. Flew Muldoon's man is just like, so we think we know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we switch from there to the night people. And uh, Falcon and Layla have been uh, indoctrinated and are now brother superhero and sister sweet. Just in case you were wondering if this was going to be completely stupid. Um, Brother Wonderful is like, cool, go fight the monster. And Falcon's like, will do. Um, And it is that point that we find out that the Night People actually live on an asteroid somewhere. And that the asteroid belt is populated by these big fuck-off monsters who look like rock... It's a, it's a Jack Kirby monster. It's a Jack Kirby monster. Like, if you've seen a Jack Kirby monster, it's one of those. <laughs> this is the this is the mold from which all Jack Kirby monsters start. It is the or <laughs> Jack Kirby monster. Platonic ideal of the Jack Kirby monster. <laughs> um, and he... And Falcon fights him, and it looks like he's gonna lose. Uh, back in New York, they found a street that was gone. Uh, this whole city block disappeared a while ago, and nobody really thought it was that big a deal. Uh, there was an insane asylum that was said, or there was an asylum that that was sat there. So you know, the neighborhood went. God, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, nobody cared because nobody cared because NIMBY. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, and so, like, you know, they talk about how there was a nuclear physicist who had a nervous breakdown and was sent to the Zero Street uh, institution, and then it disappeared. And so Cap's like, "Cool, okay. Well, I got to go make a phone call." And Jack's like, you can use my car phone, man. Uh, And so he calls Sharon, and Sharon's just like, oh, hi. 
nice of you to call off on another adventure. And uh, Cap's like, well, I mean, yeah. Falcon and Layla have been abducted. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And it's just like, Sharon, you knew what he was. Like, this is Jack murdering Sharon Carter's character. <laughs> because yeah. all the other writers up until this point were like getting around to making this not happen. Right? Like, Sharon was, had put her foot down and was like, I don't want you to be Captain America. And when that kind of blew up, she was like, okay, you can be Captain America. I guess if we're going to be together, I need to accept the fact that you're going to be Captain America. I want to be with you. Uh, Let's do that work. They do some of the work. She's still not entirely on board. And then she meets another guy and like... He has everything she's wanting in that he's around and not putting his life on the line. And, you know, Cap is not. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. like, this is, this is, this cast Sharon is as such a shrew. Yeah. Uh, which had really. Like she'd been pretty, she's been pretty reasonable. I understand. I understand that yes, she knew what Steve was when they got together. But still, uh, she has been exceedingly reasonable up until now. Here, she's just again feels like a bit of a step backward in that this is. This is a woman behaving like a woman would have in the very early days of the uh, Marvel Age, as it were. It looked, uh, it, it, this is this is Sue Richards in early Fantastic Four. Yes, like yes. it is very Sue Richards in early Fantastic Four. It is very you know those pulp romance comics from like the '30s where it's like, oh no, what a, you know. The cover is always one one woman looks on as a another woman seduces her man, that kind of thing. Right. And it's like Yeah. Oh my god, please stop. But even in the seventies, please stop. This isn't that's why this is so frustrating, is it's because the other books we read last week were not doing this kind of trite shit. And him. Yeah. If it were across the board, that would be a different matter. We could talk about that in a different light. This is just frustrating because it feels, it's like you said, it feels like we've moved beyond all of this. Not just the the, the way Sharon is treated, the way the story works, the way the characters work, all of it. It's, it's like looking back in time in a bad way. It's what's really frustrating is so um, the it is not long at all before Ms. Marvel shows up because this this issue came out in October of 76. Um, and uh, 
the the first issue of Ms. Marvel was January of 1977. Wow. Three months after this. And so, this is not to say that the portrayal of women in, in this era. era is exactly where we want it to be. Absolutely not. But... It's a hell of a lot better than this. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, back on Zero Street, the asteroid, the monster picks up Falcon, and uh, they toss around. They toss each other around a little more. Falcon ends up beating it by basically dive bombing it off the side of the asteroid. It falls. Blah blah blah. Hooray! Whatever. Everyone's like, "Hooray! Our superhero won!" Uh, and at that moment, oh, so after he talked to, Sh- Cap talked to Sharon, Texas Jack came over and was like, hey, I've been talking to my science dudes. They think that whatever's been going on, that it, it will eventually happen again, and that this place in this street is a good place to wait until it does. Yeah. And as soon as Falcon beats the monster, uh, the Inquisitor and... Uh, Brother Wonderful go to their machine and open a door to Earth. Cap dies in. Texas Jack does too. Because Yahoo! And, uh... Because he thinks it'll be fucking fun. I I really don't know. Which? Sure. Alright. Um, at least someone... This is the guy... Like, if anybody's gonna just act nuts, this is the guy. Yeah. Uh, and so... We end with both Cap and Texas Jack having gone through the portal. Yeah. So. (sighs) I hate to do this. Let's take a break and then do the last issue. Okay. So. uh, Back in a minute. All right, Cap number 203 is uh, really, really bad. Uh, It's colored by Hugh Paley and lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Uh, Cap and Jack Muldoon step through the portal and appear in Brother Wonderful's lab. Uh, They're just like, hey, thanks. (laughs) Move on. Thanks. Bye. And uh, Brother Wonderful's like, hey, you can't be here. You're supposed to be somewhere else. And, okay. So they go outside. Oh, uh, Brother Wonderful kind of breaks down that what happened was he's actually the physicist that they alluded to earlier. Uh, He was doing experiments because the wardens were apparently just wacky and uh, managed to... They were just the coolest. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, they managed to, uh, or he managed to uh, transport the entire asylum to a the, the a different dimension where they're at, where they're at. Uh, that's the story. That's how we got here. Inquisitor shows up and is like, "Hey, you're gonna have to go through the." Well, they find Layla first. She's all spaced out. He put Cap is like trying to shake her out of it. Falcon shows up, beats him, or they. 
or knocks him away from her. Inquisitor shows up and is like, okay, you're going to have to go through the indoctrination if you're going to be here with us. And Cap and uh, Texas or Texas Jack are like, no? How about no? And uh, it looks like there's going to be a bit of a kerfuffle when they are beset by another monster from the planetoids. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing about it is that at the end of the last issue, we found out that their plan had been to uh, to send, excuse me, all of the monsters from all of the other planetoids through the portal uh, to um, Earth. And... You know, who, who gives a shit? Then, um, yeah, so the the monsters from the other planetoids attack in earnest. There's a couple of panels here with them floating from planetoid to planetoid. That could be okay with a little more love in the color department. Um, whatever. Everybody piles back into the asylum so that they can stage their defense. Brother Wonderful starts setting up the portal device so that he can start... The newer, bigger Yeah, it's a newer, device. bigger version so that they can start shipping monsters to Earth. Uh, Cap steps up and is like, hey, this is a new one, though. Don't you want to test it first? And Brother Wonderful's like, we did test it. It's based on all the same technology. You just used one, like, an hour ago. What are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> who's the inmate um and cap convinces him to do it anyway uh because brother wonderful is fairly malleable and he says test it on falcon and sister sweet layla and uh they're like well okay fine they sister sweet and falcon are like yeah we'll we'll do it and so they jump through the portal uh at what which point Cap turns to Texas Jack, motions him through, Texas Jack goes back, uh, and then all the night people are like, What the hell are you doing? And he's like, We're all leaving and he kicks Inquisitor through the hole and he throws Brother Wonderful through the hole, and then the rest of the night people are like, Okay, and they all leave. Uh at that point uh Cap has an explosive device that he pounds into the ground to activate. He jumps back through the portal. It shuts. The whole planetoid explodes. Woohoo. Sorry to rush that. There's just not a lot going on. <laughs> There's really... Fuck this issue. Fuck this whole thing. It, It's... I, I'm sorry that this episode is so lackluster, but... But they... It's really hard. When it's not fun at all. Like, it has... So, like, those Golden Age comics that we were talking about, some of them aren't great. But, at least with that Jack Kirby, it was, occasionally, fun. Um, so we well, were... and Jack Kirby was new and it was sort of new and exciting. He was doing some crazy shit for the time. And th- this is just, like, that stuff again. 
This is like this would be this would be like if uh, if somebody got the bright idea to have like uh, to have Jerry Lewis go back and start doing movies like the Bell uh, yeah the Bell was it Bellhop or Bellboy Bellhop uh, you know or so. Or movies like the ones he did with Dean Martin. And, you know, it, they were very innovative for their time, but if you then made him go back and do it again, you, uh, it, it would just be a whole lot of, like, a an aging man just being like, Liven! Yeah. And you're just kind of like, also, I've seen this. I, not only have I seen this, these jokes have not aged well. Yeah. Um, it is kind of that. Yeah, no, like that's a good analogy because it does not feel like Kirby has been reading anybody else's books. Yeah. Um and that's that would be he's just not in touch with the rest of the comics community if the, or like the way these stories these superhero stories are being told. And that kind of makes sense considering he was apparently extremely difficult to work with. Um, I don't know. I don't. What were you gonna say? Well, I think I think it's very right to say like he was he really wasn't paying attention to what anyone else. It kind of reminds me of uh, you know I was watching a review of Shinmui Three. Uh, yeah. Where it was talking about how, you know, I guess the creator doesn't play video games. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that in and of itself is not a bad thing. But when, uh, when you start Shenmue 3, it's like a static image with like press start uh, hovering in like default font. <laughs> over the picture and it's just like outsider art is important but also like sometimes it helps to know what's going on in the medium around you so that you don't do beginner shit that already has been surpassed elsewhere was that zero punctuation yeah yeah and and it, it it it's like yeah jack kirby at this point in time i really do like you said get the feeling that He's not paying attention to what other people are doing. He's not paying attention to where the comics industry is because he's Jack goddamn Kirby. He doesn't have to. He and doesn't that's, have to, but it, would it be has the, an effect on his on his work when, like... And it's just so... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's... 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 it's the frustrating thing about this yeah. week... <laughs> Is that so much of it is spent on this, and Kirby's run here isn't is not so bad that we can just gleefully shit on it. No, it's just disappointing. Oh yeah, that's I think that's if if it were a Daredevil <laughs> four months ago Daredevil kind of bad, then we would be fine. We would just be like, well, this is horrifying because we could. There's there's things about that kind of stumbles and falls 
that are we could yeah gleefully shit on and it would be okay this is just like why um and it the thing i was gonna say was it's 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 so weird to have the guy that informed and influenced so many of the creators that we the other creators at marvel in the 70s he looks like these stories make Jack Kirby look like he's from the fucking Stone Age. And it's just... And it's not... If it were at least fun, that would be one thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That I, that point, that last point, was confused and muddled, and I'm sorry. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I will say, to his credit, it doesn't have any of the photocopied yeah. photos. Uh, like some of his... Thor. Uh, stuff did. Like, I, I, uh, I was farting around and I happened across a picture, you know, it was, it was like his son or somebody had posted to Twitter a bunch of Jack Kirby covers, uh, and just, uh, of course, did the obligatory, like, look at these masterful covers, and one of them was New Gods number one, and I'm sorry, that's a shitty cover. Because it is, it is literally, the coloring is weird. Yeah. For one. Because it's Orion on his little, like, oh, okay. God scooter. <laughs> and, and then the image behind him is literally just like a photocopied image of a planet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, the coloring is weird. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> awful. It's a terrible cover. It's so bad. And somebody was just like, a master at work. And I'm just like... I think we get so bound up in the godhood that we've attributed to especially Jack Kirby and Stan Lee that it becomes sacrilege to bemoan anything and we completely forget that these both of these guys especially these two were people and flawed as hell yeah um, and what is it i don't they've re- been mythologized clear to fucking gone yeah i i don't remember who who they who said it um but jack kirby never left an office without a hole in it yeah a hole in the wall um and it's it's weird uh okay overall yeah you're right this, it's, this, this was a rough week it's and it's more disappointing than anything else yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah i'm not mad i'm disappointed very and, and then i became mad very disappointed i'm i'm angry at how disappointed i am yeah all right top five top five The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. Alright. So, I want to say, I remember, I remembered an example that is actually a, the, the perfect example of what I was talking about with, uh, if you were to do Jerry Lewis. 
And it's the episode of Futurama where Zoidberg uh, makes a movie with his uncle. And his uncle is doing like all the silent films. Oh, because stuff. he was a vaudeville star or something. He was like... a vaudeville and silent yeah. movie star. And like all of that stuff is so is so far be behind everything that's happening then that it's just like it's a weird, upsetting throwback. And that's what Jack Kirby on Captain America here is. It's it's well, it's so um and we need to do top five, but it's so uh, it's so base particle, right? Yeah. Like this is we have uh, Jerry Lewis because of vaudeville and that kind of thing. We have uh, I don't know why Adam Sandler comes to mind because of Jerry Lewis and da da da. We have like this Andy is, Samberg because of Adam Sandler because yeah, right. of Jerry you, we, Lewis because but each yeah. there it's it's iterative, but like all the the vaudeville is such a base particle of that whole idea that if I see it again, I'm like, yes, of course. Like it isn't, it isn't not entertaining. It's like, I, this is my built, my understanding of what your thing is, is built upon this. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make something out of bronze. And it's like, we have steel. Yeah. We have, uh, we have, yeah. We have all sorts of alloys. We have an aluminum alloy that's incredibly strong and also really light. Bronze. All the way. Bronze. Anyway. Uh, top top five. five. Yes. Oh shit, I did not order these. It doesn't matter. Uh, nah, that'll be number one. That'll be number two. Uh, number five is... The platonic, the platonic ideal of it, a Jack Kirby monster. <laughs> because <laughs> I had to pick something. Uh, number four, Texas Jack. Because he was kind of fun and just completely fucking random that, why not? I, he's in mine, and I literally, in my notes, said Jack Muldoon... I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, uh, Falcon's Assault on the Mad Bomb, because that was actually, like, that was good. That was the best, like, let's go take some dudes, and uh, that was fun. That was, let's take some dudes, beat up some goons, get to the thing, blow it up. Straightforward, but actually, it was executed really well. This is where, this was probably the best Kirby of the week. Uh, number two is, uh, General Argyle Fist. Best name. Uh, and then number one on an actual serious note is the car helicopter chase in, uh... Marvel Spotlight. Spotlight, because it was dynamic. It felt really good. Uh, the way the... Pacing was done like it's it was exciting. Want, it's what you want from a Nick Fury. It story. is really what I want from a Nick Fury story. Is at least one chase where the chase itself is good. Yeah, like you know Nick's gonna get out of it, and he's probably gonna get out of it with some weird ass uh, gadget. This case being a flying car that he flew into a helicopter <laughs> like a missile because <laughs> Nick Fury. Ladies and gentlemen, 
And I just... Nick Fury doesn't come to play. <laughs> no, he really doesn't. Uh, I probably should have more from that issue. Um, because there's also a, a segment... Before he goes to Vegas, he goes to Paris. And there's a lot of like... Well, there could be more skullduggery. Like more spycraft kind of thing. But... I think that might have benefited overall from being like two issues. Yeah, that would it like yeah, that would have been fun. A bit more skullduggery than just he gets a phone call, goes to a place. <laughs> she te- like he's in Las Vegas. He goes to Vegas. <laughs> uh but yeah, overall overall woof. Yeah. That's me. So, number 5 uh, like I said, Jack Muldoon, I guess. <laughs> That's why it's number five is like, I was really reaching at that point. Number four is, yeah, Argyle Fist, uh, attorney at law. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to you. <laughs> Prosecutor Fist, what does the defense have to say? Prosecutor Fist. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I am not a smart man. I am just a battlefield lawyer. Uh, number three, three, uh, is Rich, seriously. Ginger will do anything you want her to do. Like, you can get weird with it, and she will be fine with doing that. Uh, number two, uh, I, I really like Howard Chicken's art. I mean, I agree with you in terms of the car chase. Overall, I thought Howard Chicken's art in that issue was just, um, just spot on. Uh, yeah. and then number one, I'm just happy Nova's here now. I like Nova. I like Nova. It's just these early issues. These early issues are bad. They're real, real bad. We talked about Captain America for an hour and a half, and I'd completely forgot we read three issues of Nova by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? We talked about Captain Jack Kirby, Captain America for so long that I forgot we introduced a new character this week. Yeah. One that becomes... That has long-lasting effects to the entire Marvel continuity, and I blanked. Yeah. um, I think I need a nap. Or a drink. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Uh, So next week, uh, we have have a smattering of stuff. Um, We get the first few issues of Peter Parker... Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Uh, we have some amazing Spider-Man. Uh, we have Tomb of Dracula number 44, which is literally Doctor Strange and Blade. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. I don't really know why we're reading it. But And uh, Spotlight 32. Spotlight 32, which is the first appearance of Spider-Woman. Uh, and then some Thor and Doctor Strange. Uh, so yeah, uh, next week, 
Next week may salvage it. The week after, we have the return of X-Men. Fucking finally. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, or wait, we're going to get all the way through Doctor Strange? We're the week of, No, we're going to have a couple of issues of Doctor Strange next week. And then the week after, we'll finish Doctor Strange. Uh, we'll have two issues of X-Men, and then it'll be Captain Britain. Uh, Two issues of X-Men, and then it'll be another six months. Yeah, but, you know, early Captain Britain, I don't know. I'm interested in that. That sounds fun. I'm hoping maybe we'll read some of the later Captain Britain as well. Like, when Alan Moore gets in there and starts mucking about. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, But, yeah, in the meantime... Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at Watcher's Guide MU. Uh, you know, you can uh, email us at watchersguide at gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Uh, we will also accept any gifts. Um, you know, I have an Amazon wish list. No. Um, anyway. That is it for us this week. Have a marvelous week. Bye.